0: Buckle up! It's showtime! <laughs> it's time for The Green Room with Sean Green. Ba-ba-da-ba, oh, no! The ride! Let's go! With the show! All right, let's do it! All righty, then! Let's get started. And now, for the moment no one's been waiting for... do check this Welcome, everyone, to The Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our dear, dear friends over at 247Comedy.com and sponsored by Amazon. You log on to shontigreen.com, you hit the Amazon link, and uh, yeah, you can help out the podcast. Do all your Xmas shopping online, really uh, support the program. Uh, honestly, whatever you want to get for whoever is on your uh, Christmas list, you can just go to shontigreen.com, click that Amazon link. Very simple, very easy. Puts you in the holiday spirit because you're not only helping yourself, you're also helping me and the podcast. Very much appreciated. And I also appreciate it. My guest for coming on the program, Mr. Matt Monroe. Matt, what's happening, man? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, uh, Matt, we... um, Let's see. Well, I feel like I uh, first met you in uh, Denver, Colorado, right? The Laugh Track Comedy Festival. Yep. 2011, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. That was a... uh, Yeah, that was a fun couple nights of shows, hanging out, good times in in, uh, Colorado in general. Now, you live live in Denver, right? I do. I do live in Denver. Uh, Now, did you... uh, are you originally from there? Where, what's your story?
1: No, I uh, I grew up in Philadelphia or right outside of Philadelphia in a town called Cheltenham, which is about 10 minutes north of the city line. Um, but, I, you know, it's easier to say Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. Right? No, that's what, that's what I do. I'm from Bethlehem, yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania. It's 60 miles north of Philadelphia. But I just say, hey, I'm from Philadelphia because I don't want to have to explain who or what, you know, I don't want to give the background on the city of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I don't want to have to hear the jokes about, oh Bethlehem, just like where Jesus was born. Ha ha ha! I don't want, I don't feel like explaining that. Yeah,
1: I totally agree with you. It's it's, it's frustrating to explain suburbs to anybody.
0: Yeah. No. I mean. Uh, well, yeah, and honestly, I think that's like once you're out in Los Angeles, that's what the majority of people do. They just say. They say when you ask where you're from, they say I'm close to this kind of big city, just because it makes the conversation that much simpler. That's a part of Los Angeles. They don't show you. They don't show <laughs> that in the Hollywood movies, the pictures. The same fucking conversation you have to have a million times right. with every single person. You know, hey, Matt, huge fan of you, your comedy, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But we still end up having, you know, whether it's you who. Whoever it is, you still have that same conversation of, hey, what's your deal? Oh, where are you from? Yeah. Blah, blah, and you just cannot escape that.
1: It's frustrating. It's really frustrating. Now,
0: you don't live out in Los Angeles full time. You currently – it sounds like you're commuting back and forth between uh, Denver and Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, kind of uh, via airplane. Uh, I, did, <laughs> I did drive the last time. Uh, I drove out here the last time I came out. But I try to come out here about every uh, three to four months give or take, um, luckily my job allows me to, to do that sort of thing, because um, I can work from out here, so I just work my normal day hours during the day, and then, you know, shows at night, hanging out at night, doing podcasts at night, all that yeah. sort of thing.
0: taking care of business. Taking they came care. over earlier, we were hanging out, drinking, watching <laughs> football, I, I did a lot of, uh, yelling at the television set, um, Felt like I was just uh, you know, good day as far as the gambling uh, wise, especially because the Eagles it was a miraculous day for the Philadelphia Eagles, not because yeah. they won or beat the Dallas Cowboys, but they <laughs> covered. They were down by eleven points. The spread was ten and a half, so it was a classic screw job by the Eagles, but instead, God shone upon me and the other people who gambled on the Philadelphia Eagles, and they had a last second punt return for a touchdown with like thirty seconds left, completely meaningless. And uh I celebrated so much. It was a it was a bright spot in uh there's not there hasn't been a lot of bright spots in the Philadelphia Eagles season, but that felt like a bright spot and it felt good to walk away with a cover.
1: Yeah, for sure. I uh, I I I spent one year betting on football. Uh it was in 2008. I think it was the year before I moved to Denver actually. And I think I ended up plus 200 bucks betting every year or betting every game rather throughout the year. But I had such like anxiety and agita <laughs> the entire year that it wasn't worth it. Like it wasn't worth the two hundred bucks at the end of it. So see, I, now I a that... true
0: gambling addict would just be like, "Oh my god, you got an entire season of NFL action <laughs> and you walked away with money." Yeah, and yeah, it's I... one of those things you just basically resign yourself to the fact that hey, I'm not. Winning money. If anything, I'm just borrowing money because the money I win, sure. eventually I know I'm going to give it back. It's, a, it's an interesting study in human psychology, gambling. Just the idea of, like, yeah, that uh, even when it's going good, it's not good enough. And when it's going bad, you convince yourself it's going to be totally to be fixed better. with this yeah. next thing.
1: Yeah. it's uh, I, I do like gambling, and that's probably part of the reason why I forced myself to stop sports betting. Um, I do have sort of an addictive personality. I've been able to keep I mean, gambling; has never been a problem for me. But I do very much enjoy it. I play. I do like going to casinos and uh, I play blackjack. And yeah, we were just poker. playing a little bit of poker. Yeah, we were just gambling on a Sunday <laughs> night, like at <laughs> halftime during the game. Yeah, I mean, let's throw down twenty bucks. And uh, well, that was nice our. That happened. was.
0: Fu- I mean, um, yeah, just do, uh shade the uh, Sunday for you. You know, give you a little info on how I spend the Sunday. Spend a lot of it hanging out, drinking, watching football, and then. Long story short, my roommate moved out. He took the dining room table, so uh, me and uh, my buddy Ryan, I borrowed his truck, and we went down. Essentially, it ended up being in South Central Los Angeles, which I had no idea because my other roommate um, was like, hey, I found this table on Craigslist. We're going to go pick it up. Okay, fine. And they said Van Ness. uh, She's like, oh, it's right off Van Ness. Now, in my head... That's a, that, well, that's the other thing. That's a Los Angeles thing. Like there's all these streets that go north-south for basically the entire city. So when I hear Van Ness, it's a north-south street, and I'm thinking, okay, Hollywood, uh, Koreatown, kind of close. Right. But Van Ness does go all the way south into south-central Los Angeles. So <laughs> – I didn't bother Google mapping or Google mapping it. I just assumed it was kind of close. It wasn't. Got on the highway, drove down to South Central Los Angeles, and we show up at this warehouse. And you know, immediately, it's just like, all right, what's going on? This is kind of weird. Just showing up at a warehouse to pick up a dining room table for 150 bucks. <laughs> like, this seems uh, no. a little sketchy my spidey sense is tingling right yeah, yeah. it's not it's not in full bore and we walk in and it's just this kind of like nice hipster couple who created their own sort of loft in this warehouse uh, in South Central Los Angeles and are living there and yeah it's totally legit the dining room table's great that's the same dining room table we ended up playing poker on but i was thinking about it it is hilarious there's always that moment in any sort of Craigslist transaction where you meet the person the other person meets you and there's a beat where you're like, all right, is this guy trying to kill me? Is this, <laughs> yeah, exactly. is this like – is Always. he going to – is this going to end really bad or is this just about the dining room table? So yeah. you got to – you immediately <laughs> – everyone wants to talk about, oh, hey, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Hey, don't make any sort of broad generalizations or stereotypes. Now, listen, I, I like to be open-minded as the next guy, but there is – it's not necessarily racial whatever – it's just I look at the person, I eye them up, and I get a sense immediately like, is this cool or not? And that and Craigslist is basically, the, you know, the that west. to a T.
1: Yeah, it's the Wild West, man. I, I've done that. I mean, anytime I do a Craigslist transaction, and I, I have one or two a year, probably that I'll go through, and it's always like I'm like Jason Bourne. <laughs> like, I'm checking for exits. Um, yeah, um, no. uh, that guy's 240 pounds. He's probably got a mean right hook. You know, like, it's just, uh, you, you got to watch out for that stuff. And it's rough.
0: Yeah, no, it's one of these things. Like, they don't tell you, hey, or I guess they do tell you. I guess it's kind of implied. But the idea is that, uh, yeah, this is something that you just have to know as an adult. You're walking into a situation. That's why I think that's the best part about being rich. You don't have to buy anything on Craigslist. You can take that kind <laughs> of buy out of stuff your options. My buddy, who um, I'm trying not to describe him too much, so I won't reveal who it was, but he <laughs> for the longest time he would buy uh, like now he knows you can find porno on the internet. He, he's uh, he's aware of that, <laughs> but I think he just thought it was funny to meet up with uh, guys on Craigslist and buy porno DVDs from them. So <laughs> wow. He would respond to these ads of guys selling like 20 DVDs <laughs> he just show up at the guy's house. And obviously it's like some dude living in his mom's place. So he would just um, – you just like kind of feel the guy out and then you're, you're sitting there shopping for DVDs. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, man, uh, it sucks, dude. That Craigslist killer really changed things in the porno DVD and buying <laughs> game. I was like, no, it should have been the fact that you don't have to buy – Porno. You can just view it online. You don't need to actually go seek it out. You can just – yeah, I mean the the beauty of online porno is that you don't have to be shamed into going out and right. finding it. That you can just sit there and enjoy it in you know the comfort of your own home and not have to think about like, oh my god. I, hey. There's just a weird – I mean it's weird on an insane number of levels. But uh, yeah, he was really bummed out. He was blaming it all on the Craigslist killer.
1: <laughs> well it's funny because like you went you were saying you got when got furniture and that's a hard thing because like, they, what they say is well, what you're supposed to do is that you meet somebody in a public location, <laughs> yeah. right? But you can't do that when you're buying a huge dining room table. Yeah, telling like, you, hey, to, you meet, to- me,
0: meet me at the coffee bean on Third exactly. Street. Bring the dining room table, <laughs> yeah. okay? I'm
1: gonna watch you take it out of the flatbed. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't do that with furniture. That's the bad part.
0: Now, have you ever have you ever done any sort of online dating? Have you oh, done that?
1: Yeah, I'm a online dating pro. Oh, really? He said. <laughs> Proudly for some reason, uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of online dating. I've been online dating for a, a very long time. Unfortunately, I've just always been the kind of person that doesn't want to. I've never wanted to meet a girl in a bar. Yeah, and um, generally, my hobbies throughout my life have never been very uh, female heavy. Uh, for one my job like I'm in IT so there's very little yeah it, work. IT
0: and then you parlay with stand up comedy well
1: yeah it, even before stand up comedy like I, I was very into uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for a while uh, not a lot of females doing that. <laughs> just um, Doing
0: everything you can to avoid yeah, activity time seemed, with women.
1: It seems like it, and then you know, snowboarding. Lots of women snowboard, but when do you have time to talk to one? Unless you happen to sit next to one on the lift, you really and then you it's then tough
0: you, to, it's tough to pick up a chick in a snowboarding atmosphere. It's tough to pick
1: up a chick on a lift because you've got about four minute four to six minutes to, you know, spit that game. But <laughs>
0: it's a lot of it's, pressure.
1: It's tough. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> and then that's
0: all. I mean, I've never tried that, but that's got to be an awkward. Like if you're at a bar and you're like, hey, can I buy you a drink? And you kind of get yeah. the blow off. You can be like, okay, uh, just like saddle off and hang out with your buddies. But if you come on too hard on the ski lift, yeah, there's no just, escaping. It's just no, like four minutes of awkward it's silence. It's just
1: very awkward silence. It's been bad. Yeah, so then now stand-up, it's like, I mean.
0: So now when when was the first time you tried online dating?
1: Um, like on an online dating site or meetings a female from the internet.
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess either. What was the? What was the difference? Like Facebook um, or?
1: I mean, I, I definitely met a, a girl off of MySpace. I don't. I don't remember the timing necessarily, but I'm sure it was seven, eight, nine years ago at yeah. least. Um, but the last like woman I've met from an internet dating site specifically, um, it's probably like six weeks ago, two months ago. Nice. Um, the three that I've met since have I've actually met in person. And it's almost like that's more rare now. Like when I do meet somebody in person for the first <laughs> time, I'm like, oh, this like we might have an actual cool set. Like if this goes anywhere, we might be able to like say, oh, we met, you know, at a bookstore. It was right. super romantic instead of like, you know, well, we – she was close to my zip code and – uh <laughs>
0: She was basically uh I cast a wide net on plenty of fish. Yeah. She was one of the fishes.
1: She uh yeah, she had some sweet pictures and the word Jesus was nowhere in her profile. And that's really <laughs> that's basically my only hey, my I, I
0: have a certain filter system. Your <laughs> mom was lucky enough to filter through. Yeah. What can I say? Romance works in a in a an in interesting way. My buddy, who is, uh just got married last uh yeah, maybe like six months ago, uh, five months ago. He met his uh, well now wife online, and you know they they've had a great relationship, totally in love. But it was funny like this was the first time, or no? I guess he had tried dating online dating a little bit, but th- like he, it seemed like he was actively trying to seek out a girlfriend and did it online, found her, it went great. But it was funny like he still. Uh, and he's, like, a friend from back home, so back home he was telling people, like, oh, everyone asks, like, oh, hey, how'd he meet uh, so-and-so? And uh, he would be, like – he had this, like, convoluted story of, uh, you know, at some restaurant and, uh, you know, she worked there and blah, blah, blah. And then I would just totally blow up a spot and be like, oh, no, they met online. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That's the funny thing. Like, there would be so many women uh, on those sites that, you know, you have, like, headlines or whatever, like the eye-catching yes. headline or whatever. And it's, it would be like – uh, let's lie to our friends or uh, let's tell them we <laughs> met at a bar. And it's just like, why, at this point, like in 2012, like who is embarrassed by that? No. Like whether there's, current, I mean, you know, Match and all that shit says like oh, over 50% of relationships. are Even if that's not true, like who cares at this point? Yeah. Like are you, are you really that embarrassed that you <laughs> met somebody else? At least you're trying, you know, like – I don't know. I've just I've never been embarrassed by it. I would never lie about yeah, that. Yeah, and especially
0: been if you're a guy, it's just like at the end of the day, you're getting chicks. Like does it really It's like it's literally <laughs> like
1: flipping through a catalog of women that you can date. Like it's really not the No, it does, thing in the it world. does
0: seem like it just cuts down on the guesswork or or kind of just like that opening line of at a bar or whatever. It just compresses all that and it and it makes it in a much more comfortable setting of just like hey, fi- firing off a friendly email or whatever. You know, they put out obviously they already have like listed kind of what's going on, what their profile is. I don't know. And uh, yeah, it's like why would you not be online dating? I mean, if you're like seriously trying to find someone, why wouldn't you? And sure. even if you're just trying to hook up, like I've had plenty of friends who just go on there, like they have it down to like a strict... Like they have a formula. Oh yeah. I, I go on plenty of fish. This is what I say. This is what I use to avoid. I always remember uh, the times I've went on online dating. I I will never forget. There was just such a strong correlation between women who had the phrase "I believe everything happens for a reason" <laughs> and also had a child. Like yeah. There was just that was the single mom code word for. Oh, yeah. It. Everything happens for a reason. And you hey, meet me my so, son Cody.
1: You get so jaded, like I, I've at least I've gotten jaded, and it's just I, you find all the similarities between all these. Like everyone says the same. Every girl, and I'm sure guys. I don't look at guys. Right. So I, I assume it's the same thing. But every woman says the same sort of stuff. You know, like oh well, yeah, well yeah, it'll be like well I'm I'm so thankful for my friends. Like I love my friends. It's like <laughs> really that's that's awesome. You like your friends? Cool. I'm really music is my life. I love that one too. I like everyone likes music. If you're not tell me what kind of music you well, like. Well, that was yeah.
0: always like uh, I love everything except country,
1: right? Yeah, or <laughs> except, is... except hip hop, you know. <laughs> and then it, it's just it's so silly to me. Is it every, and every woman, uh, every, really all women, apparently according to online dating, they want two things. I'm sure you know they want uh, someone to make them laugh. Yes, and they want to go on adventures, whatever the hell that <laughs> means.
0: Yeah, <laughs> women are just desperately seeking adventure. Yeah, like they need adventure. They just get bored really easily. I, I I don't know. Maybe it's is that. Am I wrong in saying that? I feel like women women are the ones. It's weird. Guys kind of get the rap of, oh, he was bored in the relationship. He was bored with the girl. He, you know, started cheating, whatever. But I feel like women, in a certain sense, like they just crave interesting. Like they crave scenarios. They want stuff to be going on. Like I feel like sex for a woman is almost like uh, the game of clue, where it's (laughs) just like. Hey, it was with Mister Plum in the library with the candles. Like it's got to be a combination of things yeah. and and senses.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's. I think you're right, but I also think that it has something to do with women don't like doing nothing, and guys do, and that yeah. that's a huge thing too. Like I love
0: doing nothing, right. I'm I aggressively to- did nothing for 12 hours today. Right. Well, I watch football, but... Yeah, I-
1: but that's that's nothing to, <laughs> to... And I'm not trying to generalize. Not all women are like that, but... Yeah. But, you know, and it's the, the time is... You know, that story is as old as time. Like, it's just, you know, they they always need to be doing something. Bitches be shopping. You know that? Kind of no. It's just,
0: <laughs> well, well, my girlfriend, she pointed this out. She said to me, she was like, Oh, my God, if I spent 12 hours on Sunday watching a musical, you would be... you would, That would drive you crazy. But I was like, sure. well... I, I would just not watch musicals. The with problem you. with
1: that is that musicals aren't twelve hours. So she's
0: <laughs> shit. I know, and <laughs> she doesn't realize how important the NFL is. Like exactly. I feel, it, this is uh, what our lives are based around. And uh, hey, yeah, I don't want my self esteem to be directly based on how the Eagles do or don't do well. But hey, this was the cards but we were dealt. You telling. were
1: born in Bethlehem, and you don't have a choice.
0: <laughs> no, it so it's, like, it's in your blood. Yeah, you you're you're you not go gonna. Around. Yeah. Hey, do I want to walk away? Do I wish I could just spend 12 hours on Sunday uh, hiking and eating healthy foods uh. and not drinking myself to death? Yeah, that's the ideal scenario. Sign me up for that. But that's not – I'm not going to happen. There's just this small chunk of me that really enjoys it and that feeds the – that is the chunk of coal in the locomotive that just keeps my football watching and gambling and drinking going. Yeah, hiking. Like I, people, People walk for fun, man. What's up with <laughs> – I don't, I don't understand that. Denver, it makes, it's,
1: it's brutal in Denver.
0: Well, yeah, my dad was uh, talking about that. Uh, my dad uh, – well, see, we moved around a little bit as a kid, and I, I lived in Colorado uh, for, for a chunk of time. My dad originally from Bethlehem. He was in the Air Force, and while we were living there, he was just – He was just like saying, Yeah, everyone, uh, I was always playing racquetball and hanging out, and uh, everyone was eating at uh, Alfalfa's, I think was like some whole food place, you know, some like natural grocery store. And then my dad goes, Yeah, and then we moved back east, uh, and that's basically where I spent the rest of my time before I came out to California. But we moved back east, and he's like, Yeah, this is like 1993. He's like, Yeah, I wanted to keep, you know, living a healthy lifestyle, so I show up. I'm at the uh, racquetball club. (laughs) We're hanging out. We get in a racquetball tournament, and this is in Bethlehem. And then the guy comes around, and he's like, hey, uh, throw in three bucks. I'm like – and my dad throws in the $3. And then after the racquetball tournament, they just truck in all these pizzas and beers. (laughs) Basically. That's that's Philly. Totally undermining this two hours of racquetball by just eating a shitload of pizza and drinking beers. And flash forward to 19 years later, my dad's – like, he's, he's always been to the YMCA, but he was thinking about going back to this racquetball club, and he walks in, and they're, like, showing him the facility, and he just goes, yeah, I remember I used to play here, like, you know, almost 20 years ago. <laughs> they used to have this pizza and beer night, and for, like, $2, you could just get all the pizza and beer you could drink after the, ball, after the racquetball Sounds night. Sounds fantastic. And she goes, yeah, we still do that. <laughs> <laughs> now it's $5, but yes, not, not much changes there.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, just, uh, yeah, there's something there that, uh... Hey, we exercised. Yeah, exactly. We exercised. (laughs) Yeah, there is... (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, I I play in a rec league basketball, um, rec league basketball with a lot of comedians. They have, uh, it's basically a comedian league out here in Los Angeles, and they have different comedians. they kind of separated by comedy clubs, but really it's just kind of a hodgepodge of different guys, and, uh... Yeah, no, I, I feel like – it's always interesting because you see all these – basically it's every – I feel like the majority of male comedians, their first goal in life was probably to be a rock star or a professional athlete. So that didn't work out. So now you get to see a rec league basketball based around – that. not only are the majority of them failing at becoming super successful comedians, but now you get to see them <laughs> fail at being super successful basketball players. Well, rec league basketball players. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It is. And there's a, the funniest thing about the uh, rec league basketball, not, you know, all guys uh, play different types of games. And there are guys who are on different teams who are, you'd recognize from like TV shows and whatever. And there is like this hilariousness to like a a guy comes in with the TV, a lot of TV credits. You can see he kind of gets the ball more like there is that's,
1: that's so Hollywood. No, it is. It is
0: the it's kind of the epitome. Like if a guy has a, if like a famous guy comes uh, you know and plays in the comedy rec league basketball, he's gonna get more shots, he's gonna get the ball a Louis bit. Louis
1: Anderson is the whole team.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's killing it he's down low, right? It. And honestly, who's gonna box out Louis Anderson? Can't, a you can't move him. B, who wants to be like just pressing up against Louis Anderson's body? You can't fuck with Louie in
1: the paint. That's <laughs> no. what I've heard at least. It's um, cool that you guys do that. We in Denver we have uh, we have a pickup football league that we well, it's not a league. It's just a, we play a pickup football game uh once a month through the winter and it's just all Denver comics and people that are in that scene. It's a lot of fun to be able to do something outside of Yeah. Stand up and see those people. Yeah, trying it's great. to be athletic. Right. Yeah, it's,
0: it's always funny to see comedians. And there's guys who are just like, hey, it's funny if I throw the ball bad. But then normally they get – that's what's great about the league because it's like just serious enough that it weeds out a lot of those guys. The people
1: that have to always be on even when they're playing basketball. Oh my
0: god, that's the worst. <laughs> like guys trying to be funny. Wacky bounce passes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wear some super short uh, shorts. That's the worst. Because, I mean, as much as – It is annoying, I'm sure, to like people that are surrounded them in their lives. But like, you know, we're all – when you hang out with other comedians, the last thing you want to do is hear some guy's routine or hear him be on. Like it's just so – It's exhausting. It's – yeah, exactly. It's exhausting. And I I understand like – because trust me, I've been doing comedy for a long time and I've been around people that are like way more successful than me and – or just, like, you know, early on, you want to just, like, make the room do well. And there is something to, like, hey, you make people laugh, and then right. they're friends, and then you're getting booked here or there. But the longer you do it, the longer you realize just how fucking annoying that is and how you just just hang out, relax. Yeah. If a joke comes to you, say the joke. Don't. You don't have to be on all the time. Yeah. And I understand. Like, I just did this um, – I did this show at the improv, raised a couple bucks for uh, Movember for Livestrong or whatever. Uh, you know, it was cool. You and uh, Ed Gavez, a couple guys came out, and Bill Burr yeah, dropped in. Yeah, Bill Burr dropped it in on the show, and it was really awesome. And I'd met him like once or twice before, and this is like kind of the, co- in my mind, the comedian. You know, like this guy's just killing it right yeah. now. Really super hilarious guy. And yeah, I, I want to be like, hey, Bill, I'm funny, whatever, but I realized. You just say, hey, what's up? How's it going? Crack a couple jokes. Don't, you know, don't force it. Don't just hang around. Just be a person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'm saying that, but I'm also not successful, so maybe I should be. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I should. Yeah. Maybe in hindsight, I should be that aggressive douche, but I just don't have it in me at all.
1: That's good. If you can't respect yourself if you're doing that, then it's, you know, what's the point of That's doing That's the thing, it?
0: though. I go to these Hollywood things, like on Saturday, I was in two different people's shoots Kind of as like, hey, I'm a guy hanging out or – I mean the one thing – I don't know. The one video I had a little more prominent part and the other thing I was just basically kind of extra. But hey, people need help filling out a video or they they want talent to do stuff or sure. whatever. Uh, I'm down to to give a hand. But yeah, it's just like – just yeah. I, I I don't know. Like when you're hanging out on set or just – these conversations people in Hollywood have with each other or like if you've ever gone to a set, you're hanging out there on the set and then guys come up to each other and it's almost like they're speaking another language. Like I just can't interact like that. They just go up and you're like, hey, what's up? Hey, ooh, hey, you doing that thing still? And it's it's just such a stereotype of what you would expect that it's insane. And and like I, I've consciously tried to make an effort to be like, hey, Sean, play the game. In the sense that, hey, you want to be successful. You want to have your comedy more out there. You're a funny guy. You're good at stand-up. Like, hey, try to interact with these people and do more of that. And I can't. It just, yeah, like, drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Um, the, when you mentioned that, uh, the last time I – because, I mean, obviously I live in Denver. I don't have to deal with that stuff very often, nor do I know how to if I well, if it's Well, it's to. not one of those
0: things, like, I guess I don't have to deal with it. But I also realize that if I want to kind of seek out and get more shit going, I right. should – put myself in these scenarios where that's going on.
1: That whole Hollywood scene is so weird to me. Uh, I used to date a girl that was here, uh, that lived here, and uh, the last time uh, I I was here was in June, I think, and she's a screenwriter, and um, she brought me to this uh, Hollywood party. Um, And... uh, it was for her old boss who was like a producer. I don't know what he did, but it was all just industry people. It was basically he was throwing the party for himself. And it was all interns and people that worked for yeah. him. And I, I kind of conducted this little social experiment based on the stuff that I had heard about these kind of parties. And my day job, I'm an engineer. So when people would uh, inevitably ask me what I did for the first half of the party, I'd say, oh, I'm an engineer. And they instantly would walk away essentially, like not interested in talking about that at all. You know, it's like I couldn't do anything for them, so they, they moved right away. The second half of the conversation, or the second half of the night, I said that I was a comedian, and they hung on for like an extra, maybe two lines of conversation until I didn't have any like names to drop or any, <laughs> or any credits to, to tell them, and then they moved on. So it was like both both of my career paths, totally uninteresting just to every, that crowd. They're
0: just such... Everyone is just such famed Draculas in the yeah. sense that they... Hey, do you have fresh blood? What's, every conversation, oh, hey, what's going on? I'm a comedian. Oh, where do you go? Up? What's going on? And like immediately just breaking down, hey, is there any opportunity for me here? And I understand it. People – the problem is showbiz is so completely arbitrary. Like You talk about yeah. working in computers. Hey, listen, you go, you fuck up the server. You don't work there anymore. Right. You show up. You do a good job on the server. They keep letting you work there. Sure. It's pretty simple. It's – uh, yeah, I'm sure there's some politicalness to who gets a big contract or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's either you're doing the job or you're not. But Hollywood is so arbitrary that it makes – even if these people were sane and rational, which they probably aren't because they're inclined to throw themselves into show business. So obviously we're – there's a little wackiness there. So – if they're already a little bit messed up, then you throw them in this industry that's hyper competitive, and not only hyper competitive but super arbitrary in the sense that the situation will probably gross nine million dollars this year, and I could take a thousand comedians who are way more entertaining, sure. and they're not going to ever add up to that guy's career earnings combined.
1: Yeah, I I, I mean it's it's a, it's a lot about who you know and you know networking and being in the right place at the right time. You know like it's it 's no
0: and there is something to hey if you 're really good, you will kind of stand out, but there 's still i mean within the like succeeding and really hyper successful i guess there 's still so much art like uh, Kyle kanane who 's a comedian i 've known around you know the l a scene for a long time, and I remember going around seeing him. Before he got on TV or before he got any success, I was like, oh my god. It was almost depressing because I was like, this guy's super funny and he's not getting any sort of breaks within the industry. And guys like him or – basically I think in comedy or or in anything, you have to get to the point where it's like people can't deny you and he has been super – you know, has gotten yeah. success and whatever. But still, at the end of the day, Kyle Canaan, much much better joke writer, talented performer than the situation. Like, Kyle <laughs> Kinane is still in showbiz and succeeding, but he's still not the situation. Of course. Like, that extra level is just so insanely arbitrary that that, I think, just drives people crazy. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Living outside. I, I mean, you just, it's not that... I guess you, you just have to
1: deal with it more here just because it's here you know and you know not being in this scene
0: you know it exists
1: but it's not something that you see every day and have to experience
0: yeah i mean it's weird because a lot of times when i go out to a party in los angeles uh you know when you say you're a comedian it's almost like i'm sorry i'm a comedian because i just know that there's been wherever this person works they've probably been bugged by people who claim they're comedians, they've probably been to comedy shows that have been really awful. Yeah. They've probably been burdened by stand up comedy. Even if they were a fan at some point, whatever, they probably have had a few bad experiences with stand up comedy. What is it like being a comedian in Denver? Like you're hanging out, total random cocktail party or whatever, land meetup, whatever whatever you <laughs> get into. You're hanging out, uh, you introduce yourself, you're like, oh yeah, I also do stand-up comedy. What's kind of the typical reaction?
1: Well, for the average person, it's really just like, oh, where do you perform? And it's funny because when the average person in Denver asks you that, um, they don't have an idea for what they're looking for. Like, I feel like it's a, just a natural question to ask a comic, oh, where do you go up? Because I'll, I'll, you know, there's a lot of places in Denver. Uh, comedy Works is like the man club in, in Denver – and uh, then we have an improv that's out in the suburbs. We have a club called Wits End, which is also in the suburbs. Another one called Looney's, which is in Colorado Springs. But I feel like when, when the average person goes says, where do you go up or where do you perform, they're almost. It's whatever one club they've been to to see a show is the one that's in their mind. Yeah, you know, like if they've been in the improv and you say anything besides the improv, they're gonna be like, oh, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, or if you if they've been to Comedy Works, they're expecting to say Comedy Works because the average person in, in Denver when you say you're a comic, they put you at a certain success level. Like they don't the average I mean even still here probably the average person doesn't know the levels of being a comic like you're you're an open micer you know you're an MC you're a feature you're a headliner when you when the average person at least where I'm where I do it asks you or what you do or you say you're a comic they're they're basically going right to oh you're that's what you do for a living like you're a successful person that does comedy so you're 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 on the road right like you're doing so that I feel like because because the average person doesn't know the levels. Of, of, of how you go through it, that it's hard for them to have any kind of expectation for you.
0: So they have no context, but are they excited when they hear? Oh, you're a yeah, and com- then you, and
1: then you get like, oh, tell me a joke.
0: Yeah, well, that's the general. And honestly, as much as comedians want to give them shit about it, I mean, that's kind of like the typical joke of, oh, hey, uh, yeah, you know, I was at a party. Someone asked me to tell them a joke. Hey, uh, you're a doctor. I don't ask you to uh, perform a you know, backyotomy or but I don't know what I, <laughs> yeah, like, so I don't know. But that's a perfectly reasonable request and I understand the comedian not wanting to and they don't understand that the context of like you just going into a routine comes yeah, off really awkward and won't work. The comedians don't need to just be so angry. I feel like comedians are really like angry about that request. Yeah. And it, it's a reasonable request from someone who's outside of show business. You go, Oh hey, tell me a joke like they don't understand they don't how it yeah, works. Yeah. They don't understand uh yeah, they're not hip to the game of like, well, it's, uh, hey, I got to give context of a story or just you kind of laying that out there like that. A joke's not going to succeed. I mean maybe if it's like kind of a one-liner, but they're not that deep into comedy. They I, And that's the other thing I've realized just from doing comedy so much is that you realize people just – you know as much as we think about comedy and what works and what doesn't and what's good comedy and what isn't, People just don't give a fuck. They're yeah. going out. They're getting drunk. They're hanging out. The person's either kind of you know, – they're either kind of fun or they're not. They, right. don't, they don't think like, hey, is that kind of a cliched thought that I feel like slightly regurgitated from other stand-up comedians I've heard and not really pushing the boundaries when it comes to point of view. Like they don't <laughs> think about that. They don't give a fuck. No, You could tell hack jokes if they're hack jokes. Hack jokes work for a reason because they're hack – and they're going off of like a general consensus or right. joke that a lot of people know and it's they, and they recognize. It's
1: a point of view. And you say all that about not wanting to, to do that joke when the average person asks you that, but do you do it?
0: No, when I don't. So it says tell me a joke. Do you do it? Yeah, you do. not know. No, no, yeah. I don't. I don't do it. I don't. I just explain to them yeah. that nah, it doesn't really work like that. Or uh, I just say no. I, th- I feel like that's pretty funny. Can you tell me a joke? No, no.
1: <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because uh, I've never like. And I do the same thing. I explain it, and I've never had the thought to like say like, "Oh, well, you're a doctor. You're going to perform a surgery for me." I would never do that. However, uh, a few weeks ago, I met uh, these two actresses, and uh, they did that whole thing. They were like, "Well, tell us a joke." I was like, "Well, why don't you do a Shakespeare soliloquy for me?" And she fucking did it. (laughs) And I was like, "Well, fuck me. I guess I got to tell you a joke." (laughs) Well, see,
0: actresses. Yeah, that's that's kind of like anything, regardless of. Yeah, any sort of situation, actress that they could get more attention, right? Uh, they're down for it. But I
1: feel like an like an actor, that's the, the the closest thing to that request for like asking a comic to tell you a joke. The closest thing would be like, well, do a monologue for me to an actor. Yeah, you because know? telling a doctor to do a surgery is, is kind of silly. But <laughs> I think an actor, will, it's, well, it's and, written but, material, do it for me.
0: Yeah, the difference is an actor when you audition or whatever, they're used to just doing these lines and having no reaction whatsoever and no context, in the room. Yeah. Everything I've ever auditioned for, whether it went well or bad, there was just no – just no reaction whatsoever. They're just sitting there like watching whatever – like they don't – they're not going to be like, wow, nailed it. Or or Actually, well, they do say that on the way out regardless of how well you did or not. But there's not like – there's not this uh, – stand-up comedy is a dialogue. You got to kind of like interact with the audience. Yeah, build a report. Like uh, in a timing sense.
1: Yeah, I have no idea how the whole acting thing – I've I have no content. Everything I know about the inner workings of Hollywood is from Entourage, and that's (laughs) probably saying a lot about me as a person. But yeah, I don't get how any of that stuff works. Like, well,
0: that that was one of those things. Like when I came out to Los Angeles, and you know, before I really got into comedy, I was like, oh, well, I also want to be a comedic actor because hey i, I just want to make people laugh, right. and I realize just by being out here so long and doing comedy, I love you know broadcasting podcasting whatever like this like talking point of view, telling stories, doing that kind of comedy, and then also doing it live on stage in front of a crowd. but I realize acting I have no skill set, no like serious skill set because I don't feel like I can be funny doing kind of wacky characters I'm the same and way. um like if you've ever been on a set, like the the same thing um, I talked about, like being an extra or hanging out on the set this past couple of days, you just realize it's all just people repeating the same thing over and over again, and I don't have that skill set to kind of make that funny every time. Like all I right. just can't. The first time I tell a joke is usually the funniest. Absolutely. And yeah, in stand-up, obviously you have to have an act, and that's why I mix up my set list a lot and kind of like play around with – because I'm trying to find some sort of live energy to make it feel right. like a conversation. Basically to trick myself into thinking I'm saying it for the first time, but I have no ability to do that with acting.
1: Yeah, I, I've i never done any acting. Uh, I have recently started uh, doing some improv, taking some improv classes just to learn. And uh, every time we do – any, until I do any kind of character, I just – I don't have it in me to – put 100% into anything, any silly character I'm doing, every kind of, whatever you would call a character is basically just an exaggerated version of my actual personality, because that's the only thing that I'm actually comfortable in for some reason.
0: Yeah, it is a weird dynamic, because I I feel instinctively, stand-up comedians are the people that are there to make fun of improv actors, you know what I mean, like, oh, hey, look at these goofy... Guys, oh, don't get me wrong. Out. I
1: hate improv. I hate <laughs> watching it. I am purely doing it for the skill set because it it is a skill that I respect. Sure, but yeah. But The actual performance of it, I hate watching. Like as a viewer, I don't enjoy it in the least.
0: Well, and I am friends with uh, improv comedians, and I've I've been to really good shows and stuff like that. And but then, yeah, I've also been to really bad stuff. I, but. But that's, that's for me. I Like I realize – as an outsider, I realize I'm just like burned out on comedy, period. Like I'm burned out on stand-up. As far as watching it, like I'm burned right. out on stand-up. I'm burned out on watching sketches. I'm burned out watching on funny videos. Like it's basically like six guys out there that I'm like really stoked to see, watch, sure. do comedy. Like yeah. just from a pure audience standpoint and I just that's the way it is. Like – I watch other people's sets and I, you know, try to get into it and have fun with it. But like, uh, just like as a pure audience member, there's like a handful of people that I'm really compelled to see and just like enjoy personally. And other than that, I'm just I'm burned out. You know yeah, I mean? you see so much of it and you do it, you just become jaded. It's rough.
1: All
0: right, let's get back to uh, football here. Crazy story, crazy story. Javon Belcher, yeah. I had to Google his name one more time because I wanted to make sure I got it right and pronounce it properly on the podcast. Javon Belcher of the Kansas City Chiefs, Saturday, I think. I'm Saturday, right? Yes, it was Saturday morning. Murdered his girlfriend and then went to the practice facility and killed himself. Now it's it by all accounts it basically seems like he killed himself in front of Romeo Crennel and the GM. Because Romeo Cornell basically said in the press conference today after the game that he didn't want to answer questions about what he saw because it was pretty bad, so I'm guessing that means he killed himself in front of Romeo Cornell.
1: Yeah, I when I read the original article yesterday morning, it said it was in the parking lot in front of them, and Javon actually said like thanked both of them for everything they did for his career and then shot himself in the head. So I mean, I, my. You know, uh, without going too much into my thoughts on suicide in general and how I no, think I, I do, I, well, I do ge- I do generally think that that suicide is a very is very selfish. Yeah. Um, but in this particular case, there was like this huge outcry of like people like oh vibes to Javon Belcher and his family, or you know. <laughs> and my whole thing is like the dude's a murderer. Like yes to his family. Like his family's got to deal with that. That's horrible. But he murdered his girlfriend and left his three month old with no parents. So I have no sympathy for him as a human. I have sympathy for the for the little girl. Yeah, or and, the girlfriend. and the and the and, the, and, the, and the, the girlfriend and the surrounding family. But there are people that were like, oh, you know, rest in peace, Chavon Bell. And it's like, <laughs> come on, really? Like the dude murdered somebody. While, no, I
0: know, just, and, and it was they had a moment of silence. But then it's like mm, – and then they ha- they hung up his jersey. But then also in, in the Chiefs defense, like what – like there's not any protocol for a murder-suicide the sure. day before the game.
1: For sure not. But a moment of silence is totally legitimate for the family. Yeah. Putting his jersey up I think is a complete – that's personal, isn't it? That's about him.
0: I, yeah. I feel like in a way that's kind of an homage to him.
1: Yeah. I think that's
0: horrible. You're celebrating a murder – well – Okay, so now I was thinking about this when I I was walking my dog. I was thinking about this. What's the difference between him and O.J. Simpson? O.J. Simpson went crazy and murdered his wife. Uh, Javon Belcher went crazy and murdered his wife. The difference was Javon Belcher felt some guilt maybe and killed himself or was crazy enough to also kill himself and did it in front of other people but essentially, they're almost the same level of crazy.
1: Yeah, I think they're equal, equal scumbags.
0: Yeah, so that's Just what I'm one saying. one happens like, to be alive. Wouldn't it have been one... weird if we had a moment of silence for O.J. Simpson absolutely. after he murdered Nicole?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's why, <laughs> that's why I'm saying the moment of silence for Jamal and Belcher. Well, not the moment of silence because I, don't, I wasn't there and they could have done that for the family, which, again, I think is fine. But putting it like retiring his jersey or putting his jersey in any kind of – like he, he should get no – accolades or respect or anything like he is a piece of shit like that's and
0: and it's weird because it's like all right obviously this guy is mentally ill right like this guy has a mental illness but that doesn't clear him from all responsibility like he understands that killing i would hope that he understands that killing someone and killing himself i think what happens is when you kill yourself people kind of give you a, a, a little bit of a like what's the difference between him and the people from columbine the nothing yeah i
1: know like he, imagine, he took another life just because, imagine okay just because he ended his which gives like some resolution to the situation that doesn't take away the fact that he's, Here's, yes. he's a murderer first it's murder suicide that's the way it, the murders first
0: is that what's the difference between him and the kids from columbine would would that have been weird if the denver broncos now i know this is a stretch because the kids from columbine probably weren't athletic and obviously weren't on the Denver Broncos. But wouldn't that have been weird if the Denver Broncos went out of their way to take a moment of silence for the kids who were responsible? Hey, we're going to take a moment of silence for the coat Mafia. Wouldn't that have been bizarre? Yeah, that would never have happened. Because they initiated They created the violence.
1: What I think it is is that I think the NFL and sports in general probably, it's like it's, own, it's kind of its own little world almost where it's just like because he was a football player – you know, it, like, there, there has to be, like, a different level of... We have to recognize it because hey, could, he was... Hey, do we have a
0: moment of silence for the people that Ray Lewis murdered? No, <laughs> we put that under the rug. Yeah, yeah
1: nobody knows. <laughs> no one wants to talk about that. But it's, like, if... It's, it's one thing if, like, the wife had murdered him. Then it's, like, football... Oh, as a yeah. group needs to get behind the football player that was murdered. But if the football player does it, it's almost like they still feel, like, this kinship and this brotherhood for, like, a fellow... You know, guy and our our fellow man within what we do. Yeah, we still have to recognize that and that's just very silly to me.
0: Yeah, and but I'll, I guess and there are some people that like criticize the situation. They were saying, "Hey, uh, Rodney Harrison was like, hey, at the end of the day, he took someone's life," yeah. and there's a lot of anger there. And also, I, I think it's and and for the players and for the team. I guess it's kind of one of these things like. The guy they knew and the reality that Javon Belcher – like the the dude they knew, this was so out of character for him to kill someone and then kill himself. Like I think it's hard for them to process that and say like this was the same guy. So they're almost kind of reacting to the idea that this dude not only was a murderer but he wasn't there. So I guess maybe they're grieving the situation. But yeah, it it just doesn't feel right to kind of – honor him in any sort of fashion right. and and I don't I don't feel like they went out of their way to honor him but it's and it I don't know. It's like it's tough to bust their chops that hard because it happened on Saturday. Sure. They got a game against the Carolina Panthers. They were three-point home dogs. The line shifted to six and a half. You, th- <laughs> you know, the end of the day, they covered. <laughs> oh, wow. And they won the game outright. Yeah, and
1: again, I wasn't there. So whatever they did with his jersey, I can't really speak to.
0: Yeah, no, I just saw that they had it hanging in the locker room. Okay. And...
1: That, and I get it, it's like he's their brother But like, at what point do you have to separate from that And be like, the dude murdered somebody yeah. He's three month old, has no parents
0: Well, and I guess maybe a lot of the players on the team Sympathize with uh, child custody battles <laughs> You don't say <laughs> Hey, this is the NBA we're talking about um, Overall, just a tough, tough call Yeah, it's really, really crazy Um, Speaking of tough, crazy calls, now you were telling us – you were talking about a video you saw that may have been um, – you were were talking about an adult video that you you had seen that may have reminded you of – or that did remind you of an ex-girlfriend and you were going over in your head. Was this your ex-girlfriend and if it was your ex-girlfriend, should you send that video to her? Well, yeah. Let's get into it. I mean, like I'm 90, this is, now. This was I'm, a very interesting because I I kept when you when you brought this up to me, I kept racking my brain. Like I didn't know, like the right advice to give to you, and I, I thought it was kind of an interesting proposition.
1: Yeah. So I mean, we can we can we, we don't have to we don't have to pussyfoot around here, So Sure. Right, we can no. I was uh, checking out a video <laughs> online, <laughs> sure. uh, an amateur an amateur porno video, uh, and while watching it, I became. Uh, <laughs> I thought that... I'm 98% sure that it's my ex-girlfriend. A girl that I dated about eight years ago... Um and after I was done masturbating the first time, <laughs> I watched it like 15 more times purely for research. Yes. Research purposes. Um, I mean I was checking the background. I pretty much dated it based on their tube TV that they had. So it had <laughs> now, to be like see that, now I, love,
0: I love this process. So now wait. How does this go? You see a TV in the background and well, then-
1: yeah, So here, So my first – my initial thought when I watched it and I was like – I was like, it's her. That was my initial thought. And then when I watched it somewhere, I was like, no, nah, it can't be her. But then I started to think about stuff, and I remember that, um, like, she had—I don't know, man. It just—it it looks exactly like her, <laughs> and but she looked younger than she looks now. So that's why I was like, well, maybe it's an older video. And then I saw the old TV. I was like, oh, well, that's probably—you know—everyone's got a flat screen now, so. It's got to be at least six or seven years old, so that adjusts for how she looks younger now. And I don't know, man. It's rough. I just wish that he had said her name in it, <laughs> or she had spoken more. I wish there was more dirty talk or something, because then I could maybe identify some uh, some inflections in the voice. But but yeah. So the, the 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 quandary, the crossroads that I found myself in is like: Do I have a moral obligation? To let her know that it's there. Now, in the video, she acknowledges that she's being taped. So that yes. it wasn't like a secret. He held it. Like it was very obvious that he was doing it. But my, I doubt that she's aware that it's on the internet. So is it my moral obligation to let her know, A, and B, how do I
0: tell her? Right. Well, now you're saying moral obligation. Is it... Now is this a is this an actual moral dilemma or is it more just kind of like you're interested you kind of want to see what's going on I want kind to see of, it
1: through yeah, yeah. I, I have no morals right so okay let's, let's that's let's a, just a that moral out. dilemma but what I mean by that is that you know I want to I want to see it through I want to find out if I was justified in masturbating <laughs> to a porn video of my ex girlfriend that I haven't seen in six years because I don't like I'm not gonna I'm gonna make a general consensus here and say that most guys. <laughs> Most guys would be into seeing a porn video of a girl that they either know in real life, mostly a girl that they would know in real life more so than like an ex-girlfriend. So like if I, – I, I've always looked through porn and it's just like how have I never accidentally stumbled across a girl I went to high school with or yeah. that girl that I met six weeks ago. Like that's always been hotter to me would be a girl that's not supposed to be in porn.
0: Well, I mean – and. Yeah, I think a lot of guys get into that, and I I think that's why kind of amateur quote-unquote porno is popular is because, yeah, the idea of like this is kind of – this could be a reality. This is someone I know. Like it it makes it – instead of like some of the pornos that you would occasionally see, it's just like so much like makeup and just yeah, like just crazy kind of stuff. Really elaborate scripts. That doesn't really – it's not within your world. You know yeah. what I mean? But like a chick you went to high school, with, that's within your world. Right.
1: And this is not a girl I went to high school with, but this is a girl I dated and, and slept with, so it's not like it was out of the realm. But it was so it's more that it's like, oh, this shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be allowed to see this. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the turn on there. But I guess I just don't know if like how it's gonna come off if I if I bring it up to her because if I if I just <laughs>
0: All right, so to set now, this, all right, let's let's set a little bit of background. How did it, the relationship end? So that
1: it ended um, not horribly. Um, we we haven't spoken since we broke up, but that wasn't because it was like there was still residual feelings for one of us, or it's like oh I hate the other person. It's just one of those things where you know she was in college and then went and moved and lived in Hawaii for a while, and I was on the East Coast, and we just have no. Reason to talk. Yeah, you know, there, there's no like,
0: oh, I hate her. She hates me. Yeah, you broke up. Probably sounded like, hey, you're doing one thing, I'm doing the next. Kind of an apathy breakup. Yeah, no, absolutely. necessarily aggressively harsh feelings. No, it was
1: relatively mutual. Yeah, and uh, and we just haven't spoken since. So my thing is that, like, it's like, can I come out of the woodwork? And the first thing I say to <laughs> this girl in six years is like, hey, found a porno. Think it's you. <laughs>
0: There's no I – I don't think there's a way you can do it without sounding really creepy. Yeah, Because A, it's either – well, it's either her and – well, even – well, here's the thing. If it is her – like you she's th- never said to me it. before, she's yeah, – yeah, she's not going to admit it. Even if it is. So now it's – you're just this creepy guy who's hung up on her six years later. And then if it definitely – if it actually isn't her, of whatever percent chance that it's actually not her – Then you're almost creepier because it's like, hey, I'm watching these pornos and I'm imagining your face on these girls (laughs) and it's it's like clearly not you. Like she could see it as the idea of like you're just so obsessed that – even when you watch amateur porno, you see my face when I really am not there.
1: Yeah, that's, I never even looked at it like that. That's horrible. But here's the thing. I don't care. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like I, no. I haven't
1: spoken to this girl in six years. There's nothing, What's the worst that can happen?
0: And that's the other thing. You're not really – this relationship is completely broken up. She lives in some other place. You, uh, it sounds like you guys have no mutual active friends. Not at all. So now it's just kind of like – Hey, why not throw this out there? There could be some sort of crazy explanation. You could be you could be scratching. Basically, you have a scratch ticket here, and it sounds like you already paid your $2. You already <laughs> got the scratch ticket. Yeah. Why not scratch it? There there's the reality is it's probably going to end in a dead road dead road of either her not responding, her being kind of creeped out, her just denying it. But there is this chance of like a ten thousand dollar ticket where you yeah, hear this crazy story. story about what's going on and blah blah blah.
1: I don't know. I mean, is there a call in portion? Because I'd like to get some more. <laughs> ideas maybe about maybe this. we'll have
0: some uh, listeners we, send an email. Well, like,
1: how do I broach it? You know, like if maybe I felt, thought maybe like if I just send them as because I can't just be like, hey, here's a link to a porno that I thinks you. So maybe I can just like be like, hey, uh, have you ever been taped before? Because I might have found something. <laughs> there's no it's way. Like, there's, there's, yeah, no there's,
0: no... there's no way to bring it up because it's just like, hey, it, well, there, yeah, like that, that. I think probably honestly the best approach really in all honesty is probably just, hey, I randomly saw this video. I thought it was you. But that sounds probably still kind of creepy. But the the other way is just like, hey, bringing up small talk when obviously right. you're just trying to get to her. Yeah, because like, no- hey, what have you been up to? By the way, did eight years <laughs> ago when tube TVs were really popular, did you uh, give a guy oral for like five minutes and consent to that? tape being on, but not knowing that the tape would be put all over the internet? Yeah, and that would be great if we had had
1: small talk at any point in the last <laughs> yeah. five years, but we haven't, so that can't be the first thing I ever bring up. I don't know, man. I just, I, For me, as a, as a comedian, and just as a person that doesn't, I mean, that's not the kind of thing that I would care about, so for me, it's more or less like, I just want to find out if it's her. I kind of want to be like validated for some reason. Like, yes. I've made this grand claim that this is my ex-girlfriend, and now, it, that's really the thing. I really just want to know if I'm right, like if I can. I want to know if I can identify my exes eight years later, <laughs> having sex with a guy that's not me. Like that's you know.
0: Well, and and then maybe there is something back, you know, in the back of your head of just like hey, it, it validates something. I I don't know. Like, it's like a lot uh, – Yeah, I guess I would have that same kind of itch. Like if I honestly saw a chick. I mean, the one chick I. Seen in a uh, adult film that I knew, I knew it was a hundred percent it was her because someone sent me the link. They said, "Oh my god, did you see uh, this chick from high school right. on this website?" And I was like, "No, not at all." And um, it was called SplashMe.com. What? And what is that? It, it was it, it it catered to this specific fetish. I never actually got to see the full video. Like, I just went to the website and downloaded the free preview, but I feel like it was – I pretty much got yeah, it. The, the and the honestly, first. I don't think – in her defense, I don't think it was any sort of graphic thing. Like, as far as I know, she was – she ended up you know, working at a strip club in college, posed in like the college playboy edition. She was like trying to put it out there regardless. And this uh, site, it was called sploshme.com. Splotch me Like S-P-L-O-T? Splosh. Splosh, so S-H. S p l o s h me dot com. I'm just b- bookmarking it in my phone. That's all. <laughs> and. It was just like her in front of a camera, like, "Wait, what's going on? What do you want me to do?" She's just like topless, hanging out in her panties. That's awesome. And they're like, "Hey, we want to splash you." And the (laughs) splash was this guy taking a Slurpee and then just like putting it down her pants. Amazing. And that's not even be embarrassed about. Yeah, it was just like, "Hey, what does that feel like?" And she's like, "It's cold." (laughs) (laughs) Real wordsmith. I mean. Clearly, it didn't trigger any sort of um, fetish in myself, so that kind of felt good to check off this isn't my fetish. That's the other thing about watching online videos like that. There is something like you see something crazy, and then there is a weird sense of release, relief of like, wow, thank God that didn't trigger anything. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want your friend to like, send you this video that's like going around the internet of like, this is the craziest thing it's I've ever joke, seen. Yeah. And you just realize, like, wait, wait. That's so crazy. It just that, might work. I did that Thursday. <laughs> yeah, exactly
1: in my wheelhouse. I don't know, like, it, something about like seeing a girl that I know in real life naked in any capacity is is very is a turn on for me. But like, think about it. Like, if you saw an ex girlfriend. Regardless of how it ended, yeah. whether you still know them or anything, and you saw them uh, in a in an amateur porn video, wouldn't you, at, at, at baseline, just want to know that it was them if you weren't 100% sure? Right.
0: And it's just like, hey, I'm not crazy, or just, it, yeah, provides a resolution to yeah. this interesting anecdote. Sure. Yeah, it's an interesting anecdote. You were, I mean, yeah, we were hanging out, and you, and you brought it up because it's an interesting anecdote. But if that's not your girlfriend, then it's just kind of this weird story. So you want to yeah. feel like, hey, I'm not an asshole for bringing this up in conversation or exactly. telling my buddies. Exactly. I think that's that's really what the bottom of it is. Yeah, because I don't
1: want to just be the guy that was just showing you guys a fucking weird <laughs> amateur video two hours ago because I don't, I don't want to be that dude.
0: Right, and now – yeah, because it's either A, you're just showing us a video of your girlfriend, but it's, wait, hey, that's cool and interesting. Or on the other side, it's like, hey, guys, this is the kind of porno I'm in, and I'm just slowly showing you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Which is, you know, uh, different on the uh, as far as the spectrum Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. Well, you're not that guy, Matt, but uh, you're a great guy. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, yeah, it's so much out, fun. Thank you. Throw out your plugs. Uh, tell people where they can check you out, follow you online, whatever.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I run a show in Denver for all of your Denver listeners. I'm sure they are plenty. Sure. Uh, I run a show called Propaganda. It's the last Sunday of every month at Lanny's Clock Tower Cabaret. It's a fantastic show. Um, as far as online stuff, uh, twitter.com slash Monroe. Um, I write for hahajk.com, which is Jamie Kennedy's site. And, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, maybe in a town near you. All right. like <laughs> to leave
0: it ambiguous throw it out there. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. Of course, I do the Comedy Garage every Thursday. You can check it out at Rafa's Lounge, 8 o'clock in Echo Park, 1836 West Sunset Boulevard. Thank you, guys, for listening to the podcast. We do it live here every week on Shanti Green. Com. The Green Room with Sean Green. Keep up the great work. See you later. Download archived episodes at 247comedy.com and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. He should have seen she was really naive. Shit, she was still only
1: 19. And he was many years older. But he seen her walk by in them tight jeans. And he her like that's my queen cause he
0: thought that he could mold her but it's over. Yeah. no. Larry was a 39 year old